0: You still have not told me what I'm, I did. I'm getting there. Well, let's go. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and spit it out. So we're not going to talk if you're going to just be cussing at me because that, that's not cool what at all. I what did do? I have What's cool not cussed at you your gutter snipe bitch ass lying on my face? <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Cara Berry, our Housewives edition. Um, We got to talk about Potomac. We're going to start off with that. But before we get into the very last part of the reunion, we got to talk about the news. Of course, I would talk about this on Monday, but as you know, I was occupied by a force much Larger and more unexpected than I anticipated, but let me not talk about that man again until I have to. Let's talk about, I mean, really, every man in Bravo has jumped right out the window. So let's talk about the ones that happened on the East Coast over in Potomac. So, part two, uh, Mia made a claim That Wendy was given the cookie to Peter in exchange for a restaurant in the Baltimore Harbor. And she had seen the receipts. She saw the security cam footage of her allegedly given the cookie. And, uh, oh, Wendy, you really want to come for me about that? Okay. Because I saw it. (sighs) Much like Mia tends to do. That was lie. Cap. Cap as the kids say. Um, so Peter comes out of the woodwork saying, first of all, oh, woe is me. Everybody feels sorry for me. I was just trying to film to promote my businesses. Bar one, DC or whatever the fuck. And bar one, Miami. And how could I have possibly known me who was on The Real Housewives of Atlanta for years, but not for the past six years since you got divorced from Cynthia, how could I have possibly known that they were going to use me as a storyline? And to which I just had to, like, lean back and really let out a cackle. Because, sir, Peter, you've been... Half of your reputation is that you are petty, Patricia. You're a bitch, (laughs) according to Meanie. He's always up in women's business. Chatty Patty, as I call him. So for him to be like he's a victim of being made a storyline, take the mic pack off, sir. Don't do it. This isn't a shark tank or fucking diners, drive-ins and dives. You know, this wasn't like a chance to highlight bar one. It was for drama and for you to act like uh, people have been coming to you. I don't, I mean, sure, surely they have, right? But really, I feel like we moved on from the Peter of it all pretty quickly and into, you know, Mia throwing a drink and her purse in Wendy's direction. But yeah, I'm sure people have been saying things to Peter, but for him to act like, Oh my God. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. So he goes on Instagram being like, I don't really even know them like that. I don't know why Mia would say that shit. Like, this is unacceptable blah 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 don't turn me into a storyline so then gordon comes out the woodwork and posts his own instagram story who taught him how to do that i don't know but good for him um but he goes on to say i don't know why you're acting like you don't know me you were the first man to hold my daughter after me after she was born we've been to events i've supported you you didn't know me when i gave you 60,000 to uh keep bar 1 And to keep the bills paid there? You didn't know me then? Okay. Now, unfortunately, I think where Gordon may have gotten a little bit confused and turned around and befuddled is that Peter was trying to say, I don't know these women like that. Like, I don't know them to be doing all this. Of course, he's like, no, I did not fuck Wendy. (laughs) Like, he didn't really even have to clarify that. Nobody on this planet thought that was true, including Mia. Now, I have not seen this video, but apparently the receipt that Mia had was, uh, Wendy at bar one being like, oh, I like your food or something. Very innocent. Very, like, what you would do if you were potentially going to be going into business with somebody in the food industry. But okay. Now, it's worth mentioning that Mia tweeted and also posted a screenshot of the tweet on her Instagram and says, looking at my G, sit back with a glass of wine and a cigar. Watch out, world. Y'all done effed up now. $100 for the next person that calls me a liar. And then receipt emoji, phone, uh, connection emoji, microphone emoji. (sighs) So, of course, Mia had to bring that all the way back by then tweeting, I'm on a spiritual healing journey. Healing journey, excuse me. I'm not Perfect. I'm deeply wounded, although I can't deny that God has truly blessed me, my family, and my friends. I may shall fall short at times, but I'm a woman enough to take accountability for my actions. Peace and blessings. Star emoji. Prayer hands emoji. Then she writes, First, I'm sorry for repeating what I heard without discussing the alleged with the person directly. I have so much love for my family and friends, and it pains me to know that I caused so much off-camera drama. Brotherhood is bond. While Jean needs more time to process, I want to publica- publicly apologize for spreading a rumor. It's rude and very nice of me. <laughs> I think she meant not very nice of me. I need Mia to really learn how to like shut the fuck up before she says uh, inflammatory things that people might actually sue her for. But also don't because it is funny to me. But moving on, um, you know, Michael Darby also jumped out the window by saying that he is going to be suing Candace for $2 million Uh for what she said earlier this season about he's suing her for defamation for saying, uh, you know, what earlier in the season when she got in an argument with Ashley, she was like, Oh, you know, I, um, You know, your husband likes to leave you and go to a man named Blank's house and suck his dick. Uh, You know, that name got bleeped out. Michael says this isn't true. He sent her a cease and desist or he says that he sent her one earlier this year. But then she hasn't retracted any of her allegations. So he wants two million dollars in damages because of it. Okay, Michael, nobody knows who that person is. (laughs) And the truth about you even let's just say that this wasn't true. There are many allegations that are true that like honestly, I did not even remember that that Candace said that. This is like very much a Strisand situation, Strisand effect situation where uh something comes out and a bigger deal is made because that person who is like has been accused or lied on so it's like, oh my god, like I'm gonna see you, and now everybody knows or is reminded of what happened when really we could have all moved on. I don't think anybody was really thinking about what Candace said. And honestly, like (laughs) nobody's going to believe that it's not true anyway, because of the things that he's actually done. You know what I mean? Anyway, this leads me to our last allegation from none other than former cast member, Katie Ross about hopeful, continuingly former member of Real Housewives of Potomac, Sharice Jackson Jordan, she tweeted uh, 1251 on March 5th, maybe next season on hashtag RHJOP, they'll ask at Sharice Jordan about the night, night we had sex, and I lied for her so she could get her settlement. Maybe, I'm not bitter, just saying, or maybe she's so entertaining, we'll all be as amazed as never. <laughs> now I have to admit, I was not shocked by this, because in my memory, I'm like, sure that Katie's said this before I just feel like perhaps people don't feel like Katie is a reliable narrator however I would maybe disagree (laughs) she's been said this and yeah I mean none of this surprises me um you know Saying that she got her settlement uh, is is an interesting thing to say because on this episode, Charisse comes on the stage to say uh, that she got a 50-50 settlement in her divorce from her husband. But let's get into what happened in part three of the reunion. I want to get through this actually really quickly. It's not going to be a full recap. You know, famous last words, I always say that. And then 45 minutes later, I'm like, okay, I'm done. Um, but... This time, this time I mean it. I mean it. I've made a promise to myself. So uh, we start off part three. Jacqueline and Mia are still going back and forth. Jacqueline's calling Mia unhinged for sending a group chat about her house being in foreclosure. And, you know, she should be worried about paying with her food stamp card for her money or whatever. Uh, You know, why would you say that about me, Mia, when your family business is all in a shambles? And in fact, I know that Mia, you were never the CEO of your company. Gordon was. She starts pulling out papers. Do you want me to pull this out? Okay. Mia pulls out a bizazzle box herself. It's like, okay, if you want to start, let's start. You ready? Let's do this. So Jacqueline pulls out a big screenshot of, um, of a printout of conversation with her mom saying from when mia was saying oh i was uh spent mother's day with your mom where were you jacqueline's got the receipts mia you are not there so then mia has to be like oh yeah well i was actually on a facetime with your mom for an hour girl <laughs> <laughs> that is not the same thing the jacqueline tries to say You're trying to say that I'm with a married man when your husband doesn't even know where you're whereabouts. You were somewhere like in Atlanta saying that you were supposed to be at a wedding. A wedding, he's calling me trying to figure out where you were because he's thinking that you're cheating on him, that you're out there with another man. And so Mia's excuse is, so actually I was going to have brunch with my ex-boyfriend's mother and Gordon and I already hashed that out. So then she puts her papers back. And she goes, I have a lot more. But then she just puts her papers away. So, <laughs> empty threat. So Jacqueline denies sleeping with Gordon ever. She's like, this was just the narrative that those ladies believed. But then we all had to give Jacqueline a, uh, we're going to call you in, in this moment. Not a call out, but a call in. you were also kind of fanning the flames about you hooking up with jo- Gordon, you hooking up with Mia. Like, y'all ran with it. Y'all really, really ran with it. This wasn't, like, a narrative that Giselle just made up, you know? So Robin goes, yeah, you guys were, like, kind of coy about that. So Giselle's like, girl, you're a grown woman. Usually if somebody asks if you slept with somebody, it's yes or no. (laughs) That's about it. So Andy asks, Mia, why were you calling Jacqueline out for sleeping with married men when you also have done that? She's like, well, because I admitted it. I should not have opened my legs to married men. I probably shouldn't have done that, but you know, I'm not going to deny it. So then they're like, okay, do you know for a fact that Jacqueline is hooked up with a married man? She goes, I'm going to let her have that one. No, no, you're not. (laughs) So then Andy asks Mia, why were you coming for Jacqueline so hard? You know, about the sex. Right. And she's like, well, Jacqueline really was the only person who knew that Gordon is a prostate cancer survivor on this stage. And to which a couple of the women are like, no, I, we knew that too. But then she goes, you know, Jacqueline used that, like his status as a cancer survivor to come after Gordon and his performance and in performance and whatever he can't do. Baby, nobody knew all that. Nobody knew all that. And I don't think Jacqueline was trying to say that. You're making things real deep. I feel like she did the same thing with Wendy of a, in my memory, I perceived that you came for Gordon. And so therefore I came for you. But this is not really the reality of what happened. We know that that's not what happened with Wendy because Wendy didn't start talking shit about Gordon until after she got a, a mojito. To the temple but other than that like girl you can't just be like retroactively i thought the the timeline was different and so it justifies it in my mind but that's literally not what happened so she's weird <laughs> but it does make me think about what she said about karen and ray and how gordon can still get up the stairs but ray can't so you know i had a conversation with ray or gordon and gordon told me that you know when there's an age gap relationship and the wife is younger that the older guy will kind of you know give permission or look the other way while the wife finds something that she really wants so uh were you telling on yourself mia because i remember that anyway jacqueline leaves wendy goes girl give me the receipts uh You know, when you have time. And and that was all, hopefully, that we see of Jacqueline. So let's bring in Charisse. Charisse is getting glam in the back, talking about, oh, you know, there are probably some people who don't want to see me. But, you know, I vibrate on a very high level. Okay. She gets seated in between Giselle and Ashley. Andy asks Robin to explain her relationship with uh, Charisse, right? She's like, yeah, we're really close friends. But I need to clarify I'm not the only one who has a friendship with Sharice. It's not just Giselle. It's basically every woman on this, uh, you know, including Candace, everybody but Karen and Wendy, basically. So There's a clip package of Karen versus Sharice. And Andy starts off by telling Karen, you know, happy 59th. You had the worst birthday ever. <laughs> so a viewer asks Karen, what was it about Sharice that was so insurmountable that you weren't willing to have lunch with her? And so Karen says, well, you know, I think the viewers saw it. I was dealing with grief and, you know, maybe you guys don't understand it. Maybe nobody understands it, but I just ask that you respect it. And I respectfully decline to answer any more questions about my mother's funeral. Okay. (laughs) I do not understand the question and I won't respond to it. So Andy asks Charisse what her intentions were for going to Karen's mother's funeral. And she goes, well, you know, Karen and I have different math skills, she and I were cool when I went to that service. And then she just keeps going on and on about how Karen says that they haven't spoken or hung out in the past five years. But according to Giselle and Charisse, are you guys ready for it? They've seen each other twice. Okay. Not zero times, but twice, not even since 2019. Okay. (laughs) But this was a big bomb drop that they saw each other at, um, she invited Charisse to a L'Adam Event at probably some mall in the DMV area and that she got an invite to Karen's 50th, 55th birthday party. Karen says that the reason why Charisse got invited was only because Charisse was with Matt, her friend slash assistant at the time, and he called on the way to the party and she was like, okay, you know, I graciously invited Charisse." Okay, I don't know. Like, to me... I don't care. (laughs) You know what I feel like there's a, a vibe of like, I don't really care. This wasn't a gotcha moment because the gag is, and Andy even tells Karen, I just want to make it very clear that we asked Charisse to be on the show. Not since the four years that she's left. Has she come to us? We asked her, we wanted her there. It's not the other way around. And so great. But the audience reaction is that we don't need her and we don't want her back. So, really, even if everything that Sharice is saying is true about the other man, you guys being friends back in 2018, one time, and then again in 2019, okay, you went to a group dinner, great, okay, nobody cares about Sharice. Now, I'm sure out there in the universe, People love her very much, and they hold her close, and people on this show seem to feel the same way, but that doesn't mean that she deserves to be on television, because nobody really gives a shit outside of that. She's corny, she's lame, like an old wet sponge, you know, the one that just like a little bit of mildew, just a little bit, and you're like... Like, sniff it, like, oh, is this bad or not? Like, "Mm, I don't think I like this. And you're just like, "Uh, it kind of smells funky. I can't really tell. I'm just going to throw it out anyway. And that's what I feel like Cherie says collectively to the audience. Like, we don't care. So, even if it was production's idea, we still don't care. All Ladams rise. Mia tries to lie again about what she knows about this manager from Sobe or whatever that rationale is called and um, what she knows about Karen hooking up with this manager's best friend. But then she says that she doesn't want to say what she really knows because that person is like family, I guess, like Peter was family earlier this season. So she do not want to get into it. So, okay, next Wendy brings up an excellent point of, you know, one thing about this group is that they get mad when something is said about them, but they're quick to say something about anybody else in the group. And Andy perks up and goes, you know what, Wendy, that is so true. You're so right about that. Mia then tries to go into the Larsa defense, which I feel like is as follows, right? She says, you know, I was just giving, you know, I feel like Karen was coming for me, one right? And that she was being mean to Sharice, and so I just put this accusation out there to, quote, give Karen an opportunity to address the rumor, but if she didn't do it, it wouldn't matter. You know? Because, like, for me, for example, people keep saying that I fuck for steak and lobster, I know it's not true, so I don't really care. You know? It's basically, like, I'm just gonna say whatever bullshit comes out of my mouth, but... If you, if it's not true, then why are you so defensive about it? You know? That theory only works if you're actually telling the truth. If your accusation is actually true. It doesn't work for you just say, like, whatever the fuck. And they wouldn't get upset if it wasn't true. <laughs> no, you lied. <laughs> anyway, Wendy yells at Mia, Don't forget the shrimp scampi. You were fucking for that, too. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So Robin tries to be like... Oh, Karen, don't you know that, like, you know, we don't just get these rumors from blogs and stuff. It's, like, from actual people who know us. And Karen's like, yeah, I've received personal information about all of you guys. We're all connected, whether you guys like it or not. So Robin goes, well, I'm just saying people are calling me. Karen goes, Robin, nobody's calling you. But okay. <laughs> so then we get to Robin's segment. Talking about Juan, the prenup, her intimate wedding with no guests, the Karen doppelganger in Georgetown that Juan was strolling about with. So Andy says after seven seasons of harping on this and a long ass three year engagement, you finally did it. Robin says she was happy to ultimately do it at home in Maryland because her parents were got to be, got to be there. And in hindsight, that would have been really disappointing had they not been there. And, you know, her friend was a wedding planner. She made sure it was beautiful. Giselle does admit, I thought last minute I was going to get a text, like, come on. And honestly, I really was bothered that I didn't get invited, but I've let it go. Robin says they did sign a prenup. And ultimately they decide to just like divide things 50-50. He won't get ownership in, in the hats or reasonably shady or whatever, but they have the discussion of, hey, at this point, I think we can just call it a wash and just say we've equally contributed to each other's success. And so we'll just call it. I, do I disagree with that? Not entirely. I mean, I think, you know, sh- did she work when he was playing ball? I don't think so. I mean, I do think ultimately long term is probably going to work out better for Juan than it is uh, Robin, but that's for them to figure out. She seems very happy. No, she seems very resigned to this relationship. And so I think we just need to make peace with that. This is a relationship that Robin wants to be in and ladies from Canada, be damned. Okay. That's it. This is what she wants. Then we get to, you know, intentionally leaving Wendy's kids out of that whack ass family day. And, you know, Wendy makes the point of, I don't, my kids don't have an intimate relationship with Candace. So, inviting her to invite my children and take them somewhere is weird. And you wouldn't do that if the shoe was on the other foot. Of course, Robin's never going to admit to being wrong about anything. So she was like, Oh, you know, if these were my kids, I probably would send them off with somebody else and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like pointless to have this conversation with Robin because she'll never, ever admit that she's wrong. Oh, I forgot to say that Andy asked if there was uh if she put in the infidelity clause in their prenup, and Robin says, "No, well, you know she tries to make a joke out of it, like, oh, you know, i what if I was potentially setting myself up like Robin, <laughs> We know that's not gonna happen, ma'am, but okay. So then I, this was probably the most surprising thing that happened in the reunion. I didn't think that they were going to ask her about Juan's allegations. It, it was Coppin State. Um, long story short, you guys, uh, I've talked about this a couple times, but you know, Juan is one of the coaches for the basketball team at Coppin State. They had a player who was catfished and manipulated and blackfished, blackfish, uh, black fish, black. Fish, black Mailed, blackmailed by um, by uh, uh, another member of the coaching staff. So that player is suing for you know all of the distress that happens. But in that part of that lawsuit was saying that he had told Juan and reported this to, information to Juan, and Juan basically was like, "Yo, that's crazy." And did nothing about it. Like, admitted that he thought that this person was, like, something wrong with them. That they had mental health issues. Um, was like, yeah, this is really, really wild. But didn't report it to anybody as he should have as this person's superior. Um, just kind of let sleeping dogs lie. So, Robin says that she really wants to be careful. It's a lawsuit. Blah, blah, blah. She did not want to talk about everything. But... She does have to say that the wrongdoings that Juan allegedly did are not true. And that she knows that he handled the situation the same way she would want somebody to handle if her kids were, you know, looking for help. Not denying the catfishing, not denying anything that happened, but she goes, it's just unfortunate that Juan was used as clickbait for the story. (laughs) Now, I don't, (laughs) I don't know. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah! That plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I don't know. I don't know how you could confidently say that one treated this in the same way that I would expect you know, to have my children treated. She's going to ride. She's going to stick. That's, that's her man. And she's going to stick beside him. You know, like there's just kind of like the colorism conversation that I said last week. And we find out later, it's like, these women are never going to admit to anything productive. So should we stress ourselves out by even opening these conversations when nothing good is going to happen? So let's get into that in a second I said I was going to talk about this real quick and here we are at 26 minutes let's get to when the husbands come out right? and let's get to Chris versus Giselle Um, so Chris starts off by saying <clears throat> you know Giselle I know that you're a grown woman you have no problem using your mouth we all know this when you got to your room you said that you only said yes because you thought your team was in there You open the door. Your team wasn't there. In the moment, why didn't you just say, let's have a conversation. Let's have a conversation in the hallway, somewhere you feel more safe. That's my first question. So then in a conversation with Karen, you said, Chris needs to apologize for what he did. Emphasis on did. What did I do? So Giselle says that evening you asked me, you know, can you do me a favor? I said, sure. You asked if we could talk. I said, sure, absolutely. You said, can we go to your room? I said, fine. You told your wife, I asked you to go to my room and that's not true, Chris. I did not ask you to go there. But Chris says, okay, we can agree to disagree on that. I'm, I don't want to discount your feelings, but you still have to, t- you've not told me what I did to you. So Giselle says, well, I'm getting there. He goes, well, let's go. Cause I've suffered through this for 10 months, losing my family, losing my money, answering my children, answering to my family. She's like, well, I'm going to say it. And he goes, we'll fucking spit it out. So then she's like, well, you know, I don't want to deal with you cursing at me. I don't want to speak it. So Candace goes, okay, well, what's not cool is your gutter snipe bitch ass lying about my family. (laughs) So Andy says, okay, Giselle what did he do So Giselle says okay well once he was in the room you know he had a lot to drink I felt uncomfortable and then the next day essentially Cal her hair guy kind of planted the seed by saying oh Chris knew that I had left already so why is he asking you to come to the room Chris says Cal's not the only person on your team and she says well Carly had left hours ago he goes how the fuck was I supposed to know that how would I have known what did I do? And <laughs> She goes, you participated in making me feel uncomfortable. And Chris says, I participated because you said that we could talk. So Andy says, well, it just sounds like a situation of how Giselle, you feel, but not exactly what Chris did. It's different because if you say that he needs to apologize for what he did, that is very different from how he made you feel because he didn't do anything aside from being in the room. Then Chris and Giselle get into a back and forth as to whether or not the door was open, whether or not he was on the other side of the room. He says that she got on the bed, you know, was wearing whatever she wore to the reunion and then had a robe on over it and that he was on the opposite side and the door was open. She's saying the door was not open. He's saying that it had, you know, one of those slide locks on it. And so, like, maybe it wasn't wide open, but the door was open to where anybody could have just pushed the door open and whatever she claims that the door closed behind him and then she said something to him about like oh are, can you ask if we're done for, with break and he left immediately and that was the situation so then Giselle comes back and says listen all I wanted to do is to let your wife my friend know what was going on but I only said anything because Ashley mentioned the DMs to me so Candace and Chris are both like, yeah, but like the optics of Ashley only bringing this up on the show. You had five months, Giselle, to bring this up between the reunion and filming the following season. You didn't say anything, but Ashley's like, well, you know, I, um, you know, the nature of the DMs that I got gave me pause because I, at the time did not know that you worked at the W. Then Chris says, you know, Giselle, every season, whether you mean to or not, you make a comment about my penis, but I never say anything, but now you're like expecting all this apology and Giselle starts to play dumb about like, well, you know, if you didn't do it, if you didn't make me uncomfortable, then who did? That's like, not the point. (laughs) She it's like, you really have to ask yourself and be careful with Giselle. To be like, is this intentional uh, lack of understanding? Or is she playing dumb to get out of responsibility? And oftentimes I find that... I just feel like Giselle would not want to... (laughs) I, I don't know how to say this. Either Giselle's stupid or she's not. And I just don't think Giselle... I feel like this happens a lot. So, like, you're either stupid or you're tactical. Neither option is great. And even though she told Kandos, I'm going to apologize to Chris later, I'm apologizing to you now, she did not apologize for that sneaky link comment until they brought it up again. She was like, yeah, I, I am wrong about that. She really should have started with that and been like, those were things that I should not have said to see, like, if he was down or he was trying to check and see if I was with it or he was trying to be my sneaky link or whatever the hell she said. She should have started with that apology. And I think maybe this conversation would have went better. But then she does the stuff like, oh, I don't, I don't get it. Like, why are we speaking different languages? And it's frustrating for me. This, however, brings up a larger conversation Because Candace starts off by being like, Giselle, the parsing of words is disgusting. You're a garbage human. And you are the reason why women can't come forward with sexual assault and sexual misconduct allegations. Because you sit up here with your privileged white looking ass. And you think that you can say whatever the fuck you want and nobody's going to challenge you. Now, immediately, Mia... Ashley, they're like, whoa, 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 this is going too far. And Candace says, no, I'm not. I'm not going too far because your proximity to whiteness allows you to sit up here and tell these lies. So Ashley's like, we just talked about colorism and here you are bringing it up again. And then Mia, not Mia, Wendy kind of disappointed me because she, you know, tries to have a come to Jesus moment with Candace and be like, girl, I just want to say, like, we talked about being mindful of the words that we chose. I know you're angry, but I just want you to understand your words and what they implied. So Candace says, I understand, but I said what I said. But I receive what you're telling me, Wendy. So Ashley goes, okay, so what? This conversation didn't mean anything or it just doesn't apply to you? And Candace goes, excuse me, Candace says, we need to understand that somebody who looks like me isn't taken as seriously when an allegation comes up compared to somebody who looks like you Giselle or you Ashley. That was the point I was making. Did I say it in a way that was inflammatory? Yes. Do I regret it? No. I have a level of vitriol for this person, meaning Giselle that you Ashley won't understand. Let's wrap this up with what was said. Chris says that he accepts uh, Giselle's apology. Candace says I don't. Like, it's not for me. Okay, so I would like to say... There was, like, a lot of back and forth as to whether what Candace said was right, appropriate, over the top, etc. I fully agree with Candace. Um, I'm slightly disappointed in Wendy. My hope is that Wendy was trying to say... And here's where the, where I think the only criticism of Candace should lie is that unfortunately, when it comes to progress, especially when it comes to Black people, especially when it comes to dark-skinned Black people, is that we have to take the babyest of steps to get people, a lot of people, to understand the impact of what's being said. So my hope was that when Wendy was like, trying to guide Candace into saying something else that what her intention was, was saying these words can be considered inflammatory and maybe they get, things get lost in the sauce. Right. But I wish she had backed up Candace by saying that like Candace is hitting on something. I just think maybe she's not going about it the right way. Now, It is, I will say that the way Candace is going about it is the way that people deserve. But, uh, like I said, unfortunately, we have to take baby steps when it comes to this. Otherwise, people act like they don't understand or they get lost, like Ashley is, and being like, oh, you and you, you just said we just had this great conversation and here you go again, you know, being incendiary or whatever. But ultimately, we know that people are more likely to have empathy or sympathy or believe a blonde, blue-eyed woman, green-eyed woman, than they would somebody who looks like Candace. And it really doesn't matter if Giselle and Robin are black. Their proximity to whiteness and their looks give them Privileges to be able to say things like this and people just move on. Whereas if Candace were in that position, that would not be the case at all. People would have, like, I keep talking about this. Giselle just went on and made up a whole story about how Wendy and Mia were like engaging in some sort of sexual activity together, and we were just supposed to be like, oh, well, she just put some sauce on it. And it's not like Obviously not what I'm saying is that like lesbian sex is like a scandalous thing, but it's like she straight up made that story up and just got to flit around and be like, they'd be like, oh, she's so funny. But like, if Candace had said that about Giselle, please, why is it? that every year there's an allegation about Michael Darby and yet we're supposed to be, up until this season, subjected to he and Ashley's happy marriage as if, like, they're great he's got, like, real allegations and this man is allowed to be on TV season after season if Eddie had had the allegations that Michael Darby had y'all, come on (laughs) let me move on and wrap this up um at some point robin tries to accuse karen of accusing Juan of sexual assault even though nobody thought that when she said oh he hugged me so tight that my boobs went back into my spinal cord or whatever is that what you were implying karen is that what you were trying to say (laughs) no it wasn't nobody thought that but nice try (laughs) nice try robin Karen says, he did not sexually assault me. Juan did not sexually assault me. But he does need to keep his hands off women inappropri- inappropriately. Yeah, he does need to do that. The season ends with um, Andy announcing that he's got some technology of his own and uh, here comes a a, um, a JBL speaker on a tray and now we're all dancing to Insecure by Candace. Available now on Deep Space Deluxe featuring Trina, right? Um, the ending of like Robin slowly doing a little two-step in slow motion as we get to two weeks later, Manhattan skyline, Juan, cheating scandal, Juan was bored, watch what happens live with Ebony, and then we see this footage that really, it wasn't really giving, you know, most of the shit we'd all heard before, she had never- this. Canadian woman told Juan that she was coming down to Maryland to meet up with the ball player. She went to the casino, allegedly lost her credit card, couldn't pay for the hotel room. The one and only in-person interaction that this Canadian woman had with Juan was when he paid for the hotel room. Okay. She says that she did not even look at any text communications that they had because she trusted that Juan was telling the truth. And um, she just really didn't need to see that uh what else happened i mean honestly oh she just basically keeps digging her heels into the fact that this situation came up between she and Juan in november of 2021 they started filming in march of 2022 they had had premarital counseling had worked it out and so she just figured because we were in a good space i don't need to bring this up on camera and then Andy's like, okay, well, what about all these tweets of Ashley, or excuse me, Candace, rather, saying that she's disappointed that you use this Chris storyline as kind of a decoy to hide what's going on with you? I didn't do that. I, I was actually pro-Chris, you know. I didn't think he was doing anything sneaky, so you guys can't lump me into what he was going through. Which I guess is, like, 60% true, right, I guess. Um, but then she tries to say you know, that Juan ends up being collateral damage and stuff, but she doesn't want to have that happen. But Andy says, okay, but you threw out all these allegations about uh, Karen and Ray would be collateral damage to that. So what's the difference? I don't know. She didn't really have an answer. And that was basically it. (laughs) Andy asked her, do you feel tired of defending Juan all the time? She says, I don't feel like I'm defending him. I feel like she, I'm defending us or our relationship, but like, you know, I don't really feel like I'm defending it because I don't pay attention to all that stuff. So that was it. That was it. Okay. Um, that's it for Potomac. Let's move on to uh, the latest Jersey. I'd love for them to just be like, mommy, 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 my mom's the best. You suck because that's what I get. Right. I won't do that to my Hey, let's talk about this week's episode of New Jersey, which I have to admit, I actually do think I'm going to stick to my word. I'm going to try to keep this to under 20 minutes because honestly, y'all, this episode wasn't really doing it for me. Um, You know, highs and lows. Just a lot of like us talking about things that we've always talked about. And I remain extremely confused about Jennifer Aiden and whatever her point is with Marge, but we'll talk about that in a second. The episode starts with, you know, our typical ladies around the Jersey area. Dolores is telling Paul in his Batman lair townhouse that, you know, her joints hurt. And he's like, Oh, you know, I think I know what that is. Big M menopause Dolores. And uh, did you all notice that he had a Bentley outside of his house? Listen, the townhouse is really nice. Like clearly it is a straight man over 40s dream. You know, the exposed guitars, the gray and the black and the more gray and the more black. I, cool but I guess it's just not jarring but like even if it's a nice townhouse I just don't imagine seeing somebody in a Bentley living in a townhouse I don't know this I think is maybe something that I have in my head because my mom is like she's a very you know fiscally responsible woman and she always said something that stuck with me of like the concept of like you don't want to be the person Tooling around in the city in a really nice car, but then you're going back to a home that doesn't reflect the flexing that you're doing around the city, right? So, like, if you're living in a shitty studio, wherever the fuck, does it really, like, why are you spending, you know what I mean? Like, just appearances, right? So, even though it's like a very nice townhouse, I just, in my mind, I'm like, why do you have a Bentley? Like, we could just have a like a nice mercedes would fit i don't know maybe that's something that i need to work through but what does paul do that would be my question what 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 are we doing over here (laughs) paulie you know i said this was gonna be 20 minutes and i've already spent 10 percent of that talking about uh paulie's bentley and the townhouse let let me move on okay so danielle cabral she's making dominic her son and her little daughter valentina practice their entrance for her birthday party she's gonna be doing a Barbie themed and Danielle says in a confessional, I'm not really sure why she wanted it to be Barbie themed. All of her Barbies are naked, but we're going with it. Okay. So they're like really going my super sweet 16 all the way. Valentina's doing cartwheels. They're doing little basic cheerleading stunts with Dominic and Nate. And it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Danielle explains basically she is living vicariously through her children because being a child of divorce, she did not get to have the parties that she wanted. So now we're just going full out. So Danielle tells Nate, I invited, you know, Teresa and Louis to the party, Jen, Aiden and her daughter, Olivia is coming. Rachel's coming with her kids. But, you know, Jen, Aiden and Rachel were getting into it last time we saw each other. Fortunately, Jen Thessler is going to be having a southern themed party at her house, which is good because if those bitches start fighting at my party, it, it, they start fighting at my daughters. So I'm going to go off on them, okay? Then we go over to the Fudas. Fudas down the shore. They got a shore house, and we just find out that Jennifer is like the perfect, what she calls pizza bagel, uh, you know, getting it from both sides of the family. Uh, her family's perfect. apparently everybody gets along there does not seem to be any drama she has a brother that she still seems to be talking to uh, you know unlike some people but you know good good for them Rachel says that her mom is the perfect typical overbearing Jewish mother inserting her opinion where she doesn't need to her type A personality comes from her dad he's Italian he's got the attitude and then we meet her grandma okay no filter she says She's going around talking about hey, my you Are you going to make me go outside? What if I get air uh, A on my quaff? Are you going to pay for my quaff? No. Okay. Rachel, why don't I ever hear from you? They, all, all you got to do, pick up the phone. Pick up the phone and call, okay? Her brother shows up. Like I said, they're they're all super happy. And, you know, they're the perfect sitcom family that we can all gather around the dinner table and talk about Rachel's fertility plans as a family. We want a boy. We want more girls. Whatever. Rachel says that she feels like John feels protective of his relationship with his 15-year-old son because he's got sole custody of him, something's going on with the mama i don't know but john feels very protective of his son and then rachel tells her family about jennifer screaming at her calling her a fucking idiot and grandma says i never want to hear you say that word again that last word never again and everybody's like idiot and she goes no guinea so no and if you guys don't know that's a that's a slur for italian people like an old school slur and they're like oh I thought you said that. My hearing aid's on in. You know, I have a prescription. I never wear them. Never wear (laughs) them. So Rachel's like, okay, but fucking idiots, okay? Alright, thanks, Grandma. Then they see Melissa taking Antonio Antonio, Antonia for a driving lesson. They're driving around the city, and Melissa goes, oh, you know, maybe we should practice going through a drive-thru. But Antonia's like, no, no, no. That's gonna be too too, too difficult. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Refuses to even turn into the parking lot of the restaurant. Literally... Cars half in the parking lot, half in the street, (laughs) telling Melissa, you got to switch places with me. I don't want to do it. Oh, to be 16 again. I loved Melissa talking in a confessional about how, her relationship with Antonia is so much better now. She's gotten adjusted to school because, you know, they moved. Well, you know, she was in high school and that was a big thing. or learning squad or whatever. Um, but things are okay now. And then she has the realization of Antonia really wants a car. So actually, maybe that's why she's being nice to me. <laughs> yeah, let that one sink in, girl. And you might want to get Antonia a car smaller than a Cadillac Escalade so that when you have to um, switch places in the middle of the street, it's a little bit quicker. (laughs) But finally, we get what I've been wondering about. What do the Gorgas think about this whole shit between their daddy and Zia Teresa? So Melissa goes, hey, I just wanted to talk to you about something. You know, I know that you know I went to Zia Teresa's housewarming party. Daddy didn't go with me. I know you probably see a lot of on Instagram, but I want you to know that whatever goes on between daddy and his sisters has nothing to do with you. And I just never want you to hold a, a grudge against Zia Teresa. If you see him upset about her. So then she still, she asks Antonia, do you still talk to your cousins? And Antonia's like, yeah, <laughs> we never talk about what's going on with you guys. Like, yeah, we're good. Melissa says, good. Then Melissa gets kind of petty in a confessional, right? She says, you know, honestly, truth be told, I would love it if my kids would just be like, mommy, mommy, my mom's the best. You suck because that's what I get, right? But I wouldn't do that to my children. (laughs) And this is the shit it's like, I want, (laughs) I would like to find my bearings, you know, because I... What I would I it would be easier for me if I could just pick a side between Melissa and Tree, but then there's always one little petty, unnecessary thing that they say or do that makes it uh impossible. And and obviously Joe is part of that too. If I was gonna say, if I'm gonna rank like where we are in this season, I would say Joey, problem number one, Teresa would be number two for me, and then Melissa is like a far three, but she's still participating in there. She's fighting. She's scrapping. Anyway, then Melissa demands that Antonia um, always be friends with her brothers because if you have no family, you have nothing. Family's everything. Stick to that. So then, here we are in the city. Teresa, Melania, and Gia are going to not try on her wedding dress because... She's already done that. Obviously, she doesn't want to show it on the camera. But she wants to try on her uh, wedding crown and the veil, right? So they go to Mark Zunino's to work out the custom veil. I gotta say, the look that Teresa had in this scene, gorgeous. Like, we we were out not having that extra 50 pounds of hair. <laughs> not all the bundles not all the inches she had the crown on and really the crown didn't look so crazy w- with whatever she had going on in the scene I actually thought she's probably one of the best looks ever and quite as skept- good really fucking with her confessional look with the pink uh off the shoulder dress or not pink purple off the shoulder dress very cute so Melania's like, "Why do you want words on your veil?" She's like, "Well, I wanted to do something special, you know." <laughs> oh my God, I am so glad I remember this. Dre said <laughs> that the theme for her first wedding was Shakespeare Love because that movie came out the same year. <laughs> do we think that Joe? How many times does Joe Gorga Judas watch Shakespeare Love? Like a third of a time, you think? And then he was like, tree, tree, I don't want to watch the stupid shift. You just do whatever you want. So Teresa says, you know what? I just had a thought in this moment. Why don't we do change the veil to siempre in CMA, which means i don't don't correct me I, There's no possible way i did that right but it means always together and then she's like yeah. so i'm like i'm not gonna cry because it's actually pretty sad <laughs> i'm not gonna do this to her it's actually pretty sad she says that that um is inscribed on her parents mausoleum so mark's like got you girl i'll resketch it so she sits down with her daughters and she's like oh can you guys believe i'm getting married i've been with with louie for like two years now you know you know my parents got married after three months and <laughs> gia picks up She's like yeah 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 your parents got married after three months melissa and joe moved in after a month you say this all the time we get the whole spiel okay <laughs> so then tree asks if they spoke to zia melissa at the housewarming and gia's like oh, you know more just like hi and bye so then they ask gia in a confessional when was the last time you felt close to your aunt and uncle? And she's like, Oh, um, it was probably right before Louie that summer. We were at the shore house all the time. We were having so much fun. I don't know what changed. So then Melania says, Joe should be the one walking you down the aisle. And Gia goes, Oh girl, mom was two seconds from asking him to do that. But now it's like, we, it's unclear if he's even coming to the wedding. So Melania's is like, are you f- for real? If he does not come to your wedding, dead, wrapped, done. I'm never speaking to you again. After that, we have Jennifer Aiden meeting up for lunch with Melissa. And she says in a confessional, I never thought I'd say this, but Melissa and I are good. Finally. Like I'm actually started excited to start a friendship with her. So Jennifer, you know, they clink glasses. She's like, you know, it's been, it's been five years. And Melissa's like, you know, it's a long time to not like somebody to which Jennifer says, I didn't dislike you. I just didn't think you wanted to have a baby. <laughs> Remember when she came after her at the reunion? Just like, Oh, that's bullshit. You don't want to have a baby. Come on. Which, you know, was she wrong? But Melissa goes, you know, actually quite as kept. So many of my friends are 40 and having kids and starting all over again. So, you know, and then Jennifer says, yeah, you know, Bill and I always talked about having more kids, but, You know, it's like, he's really not there for me as a co-parent. So Melissa says, well, how are you guys? And she's like, you know, we're not really fighting about the infidelity anymore. It's really just more about the kids. So Melissa's like, yeah, I mean, you got five kids. It's understandable. But Jennifer goes, well, you know, it's kind of more like he's the boss. I'm in charge of the kids. And when they mess up, it's all my fault. And this is like what I have issue with with him. And Melissa goes, oh. So this isn't like, oh, we just have five kids. It's crazy. It's like that. Okay. (laughs) So she tries to explain to Melissa what she was doing when she called Jen Fessler. Like, I'm totally innocent. I was dealing with my situation with Bill. So I reached out to Jen Fessler to get her expertise on marriage counseling. And then we got to talking about Margaret. She thinks that Margaret's always had an issue with her. And Melissa does say, you know, I don't think that she gives you a pass in the way that she does with other people. And Jennifer goes, you know, I don't preach about how you're so evolved and you're holier than thou. Meanwhile, you're going through friends like water. Like, Melissa, how many friends have you seen uh, Margaret go through? So Melissa goes, well, I think just one. And Jennifer's ready. Laura, Siggy, Danielle, and like... <laughs> Girl, who's going to be mad at her about the last two? (laughs) Like, you breaking off a friendship with Danielle Staub is going to be seen as a mark against you? Like, what? not this planet. What planet would that be on? And Siggy, I think JFK Jr. is going to come back and uh, be the Republican president. Uh, Two out of three sounds pretty good. I don't know you, Laura, but, you know, (laughs) she did good with the last two. Melissa doesn't believe this either so she's like I don't know. Jennifer's like yeah you do. You do know. And then she tells Melissa I was talking to Laura and she was saying that Margaret encourages you to leave Joe. So Melissa's like no she doesn't. (laughs) Jennifer goes oh so she doesn't tell you to be with a ball player? And Melissa's like oh yeah I mean she said that a, a lot. Joe even knows that. She said it like a thousand times and I've told Joe. So Melissa says in a confessional This was from back in 2021 when she and Joe were going through something. They were arguing a lot. And Melissa just interpreted what Margaret was saying to her as, that's my girlfriend. She's trying to hype me up and say, you can stand on your own no matter what happens. So Jennifer says, what kind of girlfriend encourages her friend to leave her husband? But Melissa goes, "It, it really wasn't like that. And Jennifer goes, well, you need to just be careful for her from her. She can be very dangerous. Okay, so then we get, I mean, like, what does she want her to do? She knows it. Marge told her that to her girl, whatever. So then we get to Jennifer Fessler's house for this uh, southern party, right? Jen Fessler says, I'm not a domestic woman. I don't know how to cook. I don't know how to clean. I got the, the party planners here. I just want these women to realize that a party can actually be fun. Because every party that I've been with, with them, has been filled with venom. So I can hope that they can understand that we can just eat and drink and laugh. And it's not like, you know, women looking for blood. She's giving Sutton Strack with her look, you know, at home with the oversized lemon print dress. Loved it. Margaret arrives and she's like now saying she's been trying to get out of this boot so badly. She fucked her whole shit up. It's out of alignment. Her bones are out of alignment and now she has to get surgery. The doctor said you can keep this cast on for two or three weeks, but you're going to come out uh, abnormal, malformed or whatever. So <laughs> what do you want to do? And now Margaret's mad. You know, she says in a confessional, I don't like to go under the knife unless I'm going to be getting some glamorous results. And this isn't one of those things. So Melissa tells Marge Oh, I had lunch with Jennifer, and she was, you know, talking about you hyping me up. What she said was like, "Oh, if J Lo can get a Rod, you know, (laughs) clearly that's a dated reference." Then, hey, you can do it too. The March says in a confessional, "I don't know why Jennifer's trying to plant a seed with this group against me. It pisses me off." So then March tells them, "Hey." If I was around when Bill was sticking his dick inside somebody else, I would have told Jennifer take his money and sleep with somebody else because that's what real friends do. (laughs) Amen. So Jen Fessler says, well, I just feel like, how are we going to fight if there's fried chicken around? (laughs) I love her. The ladies start coming to the house one by one. And, you know, they're outside in the backyard Before Danielle gets there, they're talking about how extra her Instagram is. And Melissa mentions, yeah, I think that's why Danielle and her brother aren't speaking. So when Danielle gets there, the ladies start asking, you know, what's going on with the relationship with your brother? Danielle says, hasn't spoken to him in two years. So when Rachel asks why, she's like, he just lost his mind after I blocked him on Instagram. He took me out of the wedding. I don't know. Now Rachel says in a confessional, I just feel like that's a little sketchy. Like, is that... Something that would tear up a family, and then Dolores says, "Is that what happens in this generation? Is that what tears pe- siblings apart?" Fucking Instagram. <laughs> Great question. So Jennifer Aiden arrives as everybody's talking about how irredeemable she is. So Jennifer Fessler does a toast, you know, thank you for coming. And everybody's like, oh, your house is so beautiful. I love it here. And Jen Fessler's like, yeah, you know, thank you. I'm I'm personally not one to brag. And somebody goes, oh, have you met Jennifer Aiden? <laughs> you know, Jennifer cut to her talking about her 16 bathrooms in Paramus. And oh, you know, but Aiden's like, I don't brag about things. I just explain them. Explaining, just stating facts, Margaret. Everybody's going to perceive it differently, whether they like you or not. But Margaret says, I really don't think it's about perception. I think it's about not being so self-centered. Teresa tries to be the intermediary, but she's like hanging by a thread trying to get her point across. Honestly, I don't really know. Basically, she said that like Jennifer's not above getting advice from friends. Like if I wanted to give Jennifer advice, she would take it. Jennifer says, yeah, you know, if I'm swayed by somebody's opinion, I'll take it. Margaret says, I understand that. So why are you trying to change my good friend's opinion about me? Jennifer Aiden plays you and is like, who are you talking about? <laughs> and Margaret's like, you had your lunch with Melissa. You said uh, that she needs to watch her back around me. Why are you talking shit about me behind my back to Melissa, Jen Fessler? And Jen is like, I was just telling them about my experience. <laughs> Margaret says, you don't need to go around sharing your experience all over the place. That's a thing. And then Jennifer's like, well, I can talk about whatever I want. And Marge says, well, that's why you don't have any genuine friendships in this group with anybody outside of Teresa. So at this point, Danielle speaks up and is like, well, Jennifer and I are new friends and it is natural to give somebody the history when you first meet them. And Marge goes, okay, Danielle, did I call you and give you a history? So then Jen Fesler says, Jen, Aiden, you were talking about somebody you were trash talking, but Aiden keeps hanging on to, I, that's my opinion. I was just stating it and you know, whatever, I can say whatever I want to anytime I want. But Margaret says, here's my thing with you, Jennifer, we decided to drop things last year and move forward. So why don't you do that? So Jennifer Aiden, well, I was just giving history but marge is like she doesn't need a fucking history let me fucking tell you something do you think she's ever gonna fucking love you more than she loves me do you think that (laughs) okay (laughs) everybody else is just staring back and forth like full tennis style rachel Fuda says in a confessional these are two grown women screaming about stuff that doesn't even matter can they stop Marge then really gets activated and said, you know, that's why you don't have any friends, you stupid fucking asshole. <laughs> Jennifer Aiden says, well, I have something you'll never have, which is a family. You don't know what that's like. And Margaret says, you know what? You don't have what I have, which is a good fucking marriage. And Melissa says, I'm shook. I am shook at what these people are saying to each other. Jennifer yells, you encourage people to leave their husbands. <laughs> and then Jen Fezler gets up, is like, okay, th- okay, that's enough. I have neighbors. This isn't Teresa's house. And Teresa goes, oh yeah, I've got six acres. How many do you have? <laughs> I don't know. Not that many. Not that many. Aiden is still popping off about how she can say whatever, whenever she wants about the old woman in the corner, Marge. And Danielle says in a confessional, gosh, she's throwing her dirty laundry around, vice versa. I'm not telling you bitches nothing. I'm not going to let anybody talk about me like this. At one point, Marge calls Jennifer nothing but a disheveled little drug addict. (laughs) Girl, Dolores is just sitting there and she says in a confessional, honestly, I'd rather see you guys punch each other in the face. (laughs) Jen Fessler gets up again. She says, I'm watching this food wilt in the sun. It's just so sad. You know, the party's not good when I haven't even eaten the fried chicken. Margaret gets up to leave. Professor like, and oh, you're not leaving my house. So she comes out, stops Margaret, says, goes back out to the group. Y'all, I'm not doing this anymore because I have neighbors and you're embarrassing me. Margaret, sit your ass down. And Jennifer, I'm going to have to ask you to leave because I'm not doing this. I can't do it for another second. The Jennifer Aiden's like, yeah, I was going to leave anyway. Teresa gets up. She leaves with Jennifer. And then outside, Jen Aiden calls Marge a hater and a jealous wench. And then she goes, you know, in a confessional, I love the life Bill and I have created together. And Marge, I know you hate it so much. I know you'd love for me to get divorced and break my home, but I don't run at the first chance sign of trouble. Now, this is where I have to turn out. I am confused as to why Jennifer thinks that Margaret is jealous of her. Why would she think that? just because we don't see Marge's kids on camera doesn't mean she doesn't have a family I know that there's like issues with some of the members of the family and I know she doesn't speak to all of the kids or Joe Bonino's kids there's something going on but like maybe that's her point but also like maybe, okay, maybe if your point is her marge's family is fucked up behind the scenes okay but your family's fucked up in right in front of the camera you don't seem happy in your relationship with bill so for you to be like anybody would be jealous of the fact that of a guy that you've been begging all season to just be have your back why would marge be jealous of that i don't get it because marge uh her Panino had his one palm on Danielle's ex-husband, pushing him right into the pool side by side, like real partners. And we never see that partnership out of you and your husband. Basically, every time she's like, can you back me up? He's like, well, everybody else has a point. Now, is Dr. Bill wrong? Objectively, no. Should he maybe support his wife a little bit more? Probably. Is she dead ass wrong? 80% of the time? Also, Yes. <laughs> But the larger point is, I think even if Marge's life was foul, she still has a better relationship with her husband than you have with yours. And it just doesn't seem possible that you think any differently. But anyway, we end up the episode with Valentina's Barbie party. It's super cute. She and Danielle are dressed up in like matching pink outfits. I thought there was something wrong with Nate's neck. Turns out he was just wearing an ascot because he and Dominic are wearing matching Ken outfits. She gets her little entrance. It's, you know, pink balloons. Big Phil, the grandpa's there. Danielle's dad. Everybody's having a great time. It's a perfect jersey party. The kids got their little glow sticks and you know they're dipping and dabbing I don't know the conversations that happen at this party are mostly between Rachel Fuda and Jennifer Jennifer Jennifer's like well Rachel is like Jennifer called me a fucking idiot I didn't like that but maybe we can have a fresh start so Rachel sits down to Jennifer like how are you feeling after you know Jen Fessler's party And, you know, Jennifer Aiden's like, well, I just feel like everything gets spun around. Everything I say gets turned around, like, like with you, you know? So in a confessional, Jennifer Aiden says, I have no idea why Rachel threw me under the bus. Like, I didn't call you to talk about Dolores. I called you to talk about our fucked up nose jobs. But for you to spin it out, like everything I said, you're sneaky. (laughs) You're sneaky. (laughs) Rachel just says, you know, I just really didn't appreciate you screaming in my face and calling me a fucking idiot. Jennifer goes, well, I just react off of other people's actions to me. So I don't know. Maybe you perceived our conversation as you thinking I was talking shit about Dolores. But to me, I was just giving you the history. And just because I talk about something bad that happened, it doesn't mean that I'm still mad about it. So Rachel says in a confessional, in Jennifer Aiden's mind, she makes sense. But in Rachel Fooda's mind, this doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> and in Cara Berry's mind, I think I might be in Rachel Fooda's mind here. Rachel tells Jennifer that I just don't want to talk this about this anymore. And so Jennifer's like, listen, I'll own what I say. I just want us to move forward. But then in a confessional, Jennifer says, moving forward, I'm just going to have to be a lot more careful with what I say about Rachel and around her. And Teresa and Louis show up. Oh, God. Jennifer goes on about how Margaret was spitting out venom at Jen Fessler's party. And she called me a disheveled drug addict. But marijuana is not drugs, which, you know, I, I don't disagree with. <laughs> Teresa says, isn't Marge, like, like women's empowerment, like, like women's rights? <laughs> then she tells Danielle and Rachel, she cannot trust Margaret as far as she can show her throw her (laughs) and you know Teresa basically says that the only reason why she's maintained a friendship with Margaret is to keep on her good side and if you think that that isn't going to come back to bite everybody on the ass oh you'd be wrong okay you guys thank you guys so much for listening thank me for speaking be back next week with gosh with just Jersey